September 10th, 2012, a date that was circled, highlighted, and anticipated second only to the due date of our baby. It was ultrasound day, the day we would get to find out if we were expecting a boy or girl, and a day that we would hopefully find out that everything was healthy and going well. I walked into the doctor's office, signed my name, and nervously took a seat. Finally, it was my turn. They called me back and squirted cold gel on my belly while I laid on the ultrasound technician's table. Before I knew it, I could see our baby's cute profile on the screen. To my untrained eyes, everything looked fabulous. I could see her cute skeleton. All of her bones were intact. Her heart, her brain, it all looked healthy and good to me. Next, my doctor came in the room. My doctor started telling me about the soft markers they had seen on the ultrasound. Three indicators that there could be a problem with our baby. Most likely, they indicated some kind of chromosomal abnormality. I sat there stunned, looking at my doctor, trying to blink back the tears and listen carefully to his instructions as he told me to go down the hall to do extensive additional blood work and then call a neonatologist to make an appointment for a level two ultrasound. He said it was just to rule things out, to be on the safe side, to prepare ourselves just in case there was anything wrong, but there probably wasn't. I sobbed as they drew my blood, and I went home, started Googling, and called the neonatologist. It was about a week before we could get an appointment, so over the course of that week, I cried a lot, and I came to terms with the fact that we would probably have a baby with Down syndrome. By the way, we found out she was a girl. Finally, the day came... The blood work came back, and together with the results of the level 2 ultrasound, the neonatologist told us he had no concerns. We had nothing to worry about, and we should enjoy the rest of our healthy pregnancy. My husband and I were so relieved. In January of 2013, my baby girl Betty was born. Later, we discovered she had a chromosomal deletion that would affect the rest of her life. I created this podcast to share the stories and struggles of special needs children and their families. This is episode one of Bringing Up Betty. I'm Sarah Evans. Obviously, a lot has changed since that day in September. We tried our best to enjoy the rest of the pregnancy without any worry or concerns, and Betty came early in the morning during one of the worst snowstorms of the season. Betty was born after an uneventful and fairly quick delivery. She seemed really sleepy, but other than that, perfectly healthy. We had no concerns. As the first weeks and months of Betty's life unfolded, the concerns started to pile up. By the time she was two months old, I had a full list of concerns, but I really expected her pediatrician to blow them off and just tell me she needed a little more time and that she was going to be fine. In reality, he was quite worried. He wrote global developmental delays on the early intervention pamphlet he handed to me and told me to give them a call. I thought it sounded kind of extreme. How delayed could a two-month-old be? 
we were referred to an ophthalmologist, a neurologist, audiologist, ear, nose, and throat doctor. We did a chest x-ray, a CT scan, an MRI, lots of blood work, more blood work, more blood work. Everything came back normal. Part of me was relieved that the test came back normal, but I also was beginning to feel a little bit frantic. I needed an explanation. Why was my daughter behind while all of her peers were progressing? The developmental gap between Betty and her peers only continued to widen as time went on. Our hope that she would just catch up started to dissipate. And even though we loved and appreciated everything about Betty and who she was, We were very concerned and wanted to make sure that we understood what her condition was and how we could best help her enjoy her life and live it to its fullest. Living with a medical issue but not knowing what it is, is very scary. As a parent, you're unsure if anything or everything is related to some bigger underlying problem that the doctors haven't found yet. Any little cough, fever, cold sore, rash, made us extremely nervous. We hoped that a diagnosis would give us the information we needed to best care for our daughter and anticipate the things that might affect her. When Betty was nearly eight months old, our insurance finally decided to authorize genetic testing. Several weeks later, I got a phone call that I'll never forget. In some ways, it changed everything. In some ways, it changed nothing. It simply put a name to what we had already been dealing with. I was standing at the sink washing a few dishes when the phone rang. I quickly wiped my hands. I knew exactly who it was. We'd been playing phone tag for the better part of the morning. It was our geneticist's intern. She told me that they had the results of Betty's genetic testing. She told me that the test revealed a deletion on her 11th chromosome and that her deletion was associated with a rare genetic syndrome called Pataki-Schaefer syndrome. Of course, I had never heard of it. Neither had she. Neither had our geneticist. There were only 40 known cases in the world. There had been one clinical study performed nearly a decade prior. My mind went blank as she asked me if I had any questions. Of course I had questions, every question a mother could think of. Will she walk? Will she talk? Will she drive? Will she date? Will she have friends? Will she go to college? Will she be able to live on her own? I was in too much shock to delve into much detail. So I asked the basics. I asked her if it would affect her life expectancy. She said, not as far as they knew. I asked her what it would affect. She said, just about everything. The information she gave me on the phone was pretty broad and general. She said it would affect her brain, her bones, and her development and that the geneticist would like to meet with my husband and I to go over more detail. We made an appointment about two weeks down the road, and believe me, in that two weeks, I gathered every piece of information I could find. 
I've had enough friends that have gone through terribly difficult things with their children that I've run through in my mind what my reaction might look like to really difficult news. I thought I might throw up or pass out or burst into tears, but I was so surprised that none of those things happened. I hung up the phone with the geneticist intern and called my husband, basically just relaying the message. We had a diagnosis, now we know what it's called, and I found that as we told our family members and as we processed the news ourselves, that it was kind of an emotionless time. I don't know if that was because we were all in shock or because we'd all been dealing with this for so long already that a name didn't really matter that much. Despite our reactions, it was still difficult news. I think the biggest piece of that was the fact that we now knew that Betty would likely require care and assistance for the rest of her life. that a diagnosis would bring clarity, would bring a roadmap, some information and some knowledge of what we needed to do for our daughter. But as I sat down to Google Pataki Schaefer Syndrome for the first time, I learned quickly that that wasn't the case. There had been one clinical study done, and those six pages of data I had pretty much memorized by the time we went to meet with the doctor. So when we sat down with him to discuss things in more detail, there wasn't a thing he said that I didn't already know. I wish that wasn't the case. Other than ruling out a few fatal possibilities that our geneticist had considered, Betty's diagnosis didn't change a lot for our family. Our days continued to be filled with therapies and doctor's appointments. We continued to process our grief in a kind of strange way, I think. But something really cool happened around the time that Betty was diagnosed. When she was about eight months old, it felt like her eyes and her brain finally started to make some connections. It was like her vision turned on. Before that, it always seemed like Betty was looking past us. She wouldn't look at our faces. She wouldn't engage with us visually or any toy. She wouldn't reach for things. She wouldn't really smile or laugh. And right around that same time as her diagnosis came, as kind of a tender mercy, I think, her vision turned on. She started to look at our faces. She started to smile a little bit, even though it wasn't very predictable. We got those smiles. Since that time, Betty has made a ton of progress. But I think it's safe to say that so have her dad and I. I think it took us a little longer to bond with Betty. But now I can say with my whole heart that we love and adore her and that we could not imagine our family without her. Parenting a child with special needs is no easy task. Parenting in general is not an easy task. 
There are days that I want to hide. And there are days that I feel like the luckiest mom in the world. Right now, I don't know a lot of what the future will hold. But I do know that of all of the responsibilities and tasks that I've ever had, I'm sure that one of the most profound, most difficult, enduring, and wonderful ones of my life is bringing up Betty. Today's episode was recorded and produced by me, Sarah Evans. If you liked today's episode, please subscribe in iTunes. If you really liked it, please feel free to leave a rating and review. I'm still looking for more parents to share their unique experiences in parenting children with special needs. So if you would like to participate, please send me an email at bringingupbetty at gmail.com. Also, please feel free to share this podcast with any other parents you feel may benefit from listening. For notes on today's show and for more ways to get in touch, please visit us on the web at bringingupbetty.com. You can also sign up for our newsletter so you'll be notified in your inbox every time a new episode comes out. Feel free to follow Bringing Up Betty on Facebook, Instagram, you know, all those great places. And thank you again so much for listening. Have a great day.